DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Red and the blue every Friday. We already talked to Kyle Gunther. Time now to talk to the former Cougar. Get the blue perspective. We're joined now by Brian Keel. And Brian is on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Brian, good morning. Morning, fellas. How you doing? Good. So you've had the agony of a loss to the Utes. You've had the joy of a dramatic win over Tennessee. <laughs> what is the one word that captures what you're feeling as USC approaches? <laughs> this is like a, a repeat of last year. Other Utah game well, was the first game of the season instead of the last game of the season. Fantastic win over Wisconsin. Got all our hopes up and our dreams and our aspirations. Um, went over to see this fantastic Tennessee. Um, but it's still a great win. Still, they have athletes that, that we don't have, and it was at their place in front of a lot of people. And our team, you know, responded. They they um, they fought, battled back for beyond sixty minutes. Um, it was it was it will be the wins for Kalani and for our program. Um, in terms of recruiting, there's a lot of kids that I'm sure saw that game that didn't really know who BYU was and, and um, you know, pulled them now and, you know, who knows? Maybe it helps us get some kids who wouldn't have got otherwise. Got to do it again tomorrow. Um, got to, you know, USC looks good, so... So you take a look at this schedule that BYU has now that they're an independent and it looks like it's what it's going to be for the foreseeable future when they're being independent is they're going to play these Power 5 teams, the bigger-name programs are going to be earlier in the season, and then obviously the things uh, get a little easier as the season progresses as those other teams get into conference play. And you're a realistic guy in your expectations, Brian. So with that in mind, just take the chunk of the early season schedule whether it's four or five games, whatever it might be, that they play the bigger name competition. With that in mind, what is your expectation as you look at the whole? Very excited looking at the schedule, you know, all off season, And I think a lot of BYU fans, were especially the home schedule, I mean, it's probably BYU's best home schedule they've ever had. Um, and as I, as I looked at that schedule, I just, you know, if we could win, those first six games are all, um, you know, mostly legit teams um, and good teams, all teams that have beat us and can beat us. Um, and then, like you said, the second six games are, are, are games we really should win. Um, so I look at those first six games, and basically for me it was like if we could win half of those and just go 500 through that stretch and then win out – you know we're sitting at nine and three, and that's a that's a great season for me, given our schedule. If we could go nine and three, um, you know I think that's kind of the breaking point. I think anything less than nine wins, I think eight wins is just kind of ho hum. Um, nine wins is a good season. Ten wins would be a fantastic season, and obviously you know up from there. So that's that's kind of my how I look at it. Um, and I you know so right now we're one and one. Um, so we're we're doing good. <laughs> if like I said, if we could win, you know, if we could win three of these first six games, uh, that's that's a win for me in my in my opinion. And I I don't want to speak for anybody else. That's just Brian. 
You know, it's easy to uh, watch a football game and just break down quarterbacks and offense, and USC's quarterback was awesome, and they're throwing the ball all over the field against Stanford the last three quarters. But if you look at USC's defense, uh, Fresno State ran for a couple hundred yards. Stanford, with a backup quarterback, got a couple of quick touchdowns. Now SC, you know, shut them down over the course of the game, but even then not completely. I mean, they, they had to settle for four field goals. They missed a couple of them. You look at that defense, what do you see that SC does right? What do you see that they do wrong? And how can BYU move the ball on these guys? So I, um, I, was, I was hoping to see more of the Stanford-USC game, and I saw some of it. Um, but, you know, we were, ended up being busy, so I wasn't able to really sit and watch it. Um, and so I, don't, I didn't really get to get a chance to see details. I, kinda, I followed the score and noticed that, yeah, Stanford was up big early, and then – you know, USC just steamrolled back and just kind of poured it on the, the offense. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, you know, going into the game, uh, you know, hopefully we can have a game plan put together where, where we can consistently score points and slow down. You know, it looks like they've got this, this, real, this hot freshman quarterback um, throwing it all around. Um, so hopefully we can put together a game plan that slows that down and then also just build on what we've done, especially in the two overtime periods with our offense. Um, just a balanced attack, run, throw the ball, be creative, and, and, um, you know, and have, a, have a good game plan. I think I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can. I think we can do it. You played at a time BYU was prospering. Did you ever remember going into a game against a big-name team and being an underdog? Um. That's a good question. Um, no, I, I mean, uh, as I look back, you know, in the years that we were good, I mean, the only, yeah, I guess the only time was it my sophomore year. I wasn't a starter yet, but um, my sophomore year was 2005. Um, I played, you know, I rotated in and played on defense, and um, we went out and played Notre Dame, um, Brady Quinn, Notre Dame, and they were, they were you know, pretty good at the time. I think they went to a BCS bowl that year. Um, but that it was the week it was actually it was actually the week after we played them the week after that that big USC Notre Dame game with the bat liner Reggie Bush push. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So um and uh they kinda got robbed well not kinda they they, they got robbed a little bit <laughs> on that one. Um and uh but they were a good program and yeah we were we were I, I don't remember what how much but we were definitely heavy underdogs in that game. Because I'm just wondering, what is the mindset when you're an underdog against a big name program? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I always looked at it, uh, and it's different. So it's different now as a as a alumnus slash fan watching than it was as a player, and that's why it's like different for me with expectations versus hope. And um, as a player, where I had you know control over not the whole team, but obviously over my role and influence over the other, the rest of the team. Um, you know, I went into every game expecting to win. And the, the same thing in the NFL and played on good teams and bad teams. And, um, you know, I was both ends of the spectrum there. And But, you know, every single game I expected to win. And, and I, don't, I can't imagine approaching it any other way. I, it, it was just so foreign to me if, if I literally came into a game expecting to lose. Um, and so I hope I, you know, I hope the kids have that same expectation in the locker room right now. Um, every single game, you know, you, you should prepare, plan, practice, and expect to win. And obviously you're not going to win every game. Nobody does. 
um, throughout the course of a career. Sometimes you might have an undefeated season, but um, but you, you know you realize that that's not going to happen. But that doesn't change your preparation. That doesn't change your practice. You know your film study, and yeah, you should expect to win every single game. And these kids in, in the locker room right now, that that should be their thing today. They should expect to win tomorrow, and expect to beat Washington next week, and on and on and on. So I can't remember the pace of your career, and you know, kids go on missions and they redshirt, and I lose track. So in '04, were you a freshman who just played a little bit? I I was. Fortunately, I was gone. <laughs> oh, you were <laughs> gone. Okay. I couldn't remember. Because in 03, that, 03 well, that, Yeah, that it team. took good years to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> they were the best years to be gone. <laughs> yeah. That team played Notre Dame, Stanford, and USC all in a row to open the season. So that would have been kind yep. of a comparison to what this club is going through. But then your, yep. uh, your junior season, when you were playing full-time, you say you expect to win every game, but – We've been talking here about how it seems like, and PK went and dug up the numbers, you know, over, uh, you know, the course of Lavelle's career through Croton, Mendenhall, and now into the Sataki eras here. It seems like BYU is going to win 30 to 40% of the games they play against teams in Power Fives. That's historically where they've been. And, uh, you know, you, you see some of these teams that are, are they're pretty good teams. But they open up uh, with a lot. You open up with a loss at Arizona. A couple weeks later, you lose in double overtime at BC, and you pretty much beat everybody else, including Oregon in a bowl game. So, really, is what the team doing now? What the team did historically, or when you're in the middle of it playing, do you not see all that and not feel that? Yeah, I mean, so in '06, my junior year, though, so that's the Arizona Boston College. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly think um, it was it was those early games. It's just one of those things where I think if we play those teams at the end of the season where we we kind of realized how good we were, uh, it's a different outcome. Um, you know, you look at the end of the season and we played we played Oregon in the this is 06. We played Oregon in the the Vegas Bowl. Oregon led the Pac-12 in in offense, had the best offense in the Pac-12 or Pac-10 back then. They had the best offense. Um, you know, they had an NFL running back, Dennis Dixon at quarterback, um, and on and on and on. Um, and we 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 were a hail mary away from shutting them out on on defense. I mean, we just we absolutely just swarmed them. Their offense. This is their number one Pac-10 offense. We absolutely shut them down, and um, and our our offense scored 36 points. Any, anyway, my so. I look at I look back and and that that Arizona loss and that Boston College loss loss they still haunt me to this day, and it it's just so frustrating that we lost those games. Um, I think you are onto something. You know, the, historically BYU, you know they you know, they've they've lost more than they've won against the, the P five schools, and I think that would change if we could ever luck our way into a Power Five conference and then and have ourselves Power Five talent. I think that would change. Um, in, until that happens, you know, will those will that those statistics that you just cited will they ever change? Probably not. Um, it would be a great feat if we consistently beat Power Five teams without Power Five talent. So you know, it is one of those things that is what it is. You look at Tyson Williams, and it looks like, yeah, obviously we know the story of him coming in as a grad transfer, and it looks like he is going to be a real good player for these guys. And I wanted to ask you as far as 
coming into BYU, being not of the faith. Now, you, you have the unusual distinction. You're a minority, but you were of the faith. So for you, the standards were easy to live. Do you think that BYU should pursue these guys more so? And, and then with, if they have interest in coming, how difficult is it for them to be able to assimilate themselves into the football team, the school, and the community? So there's a there's a, a lot of angles there, um, a lot of factors, um, and, and I, it's hard for me to actually. I guess I can do the role in reverse. So it's, I was going to say it's hard for me to know what it's like for them coming to BYU, but you know I kind of know what it's like because I I was taken out of my element when I went into the Giants locker room coming coming from BYU, and so I was kind of a fish out of water you know, in a sense, uh, the odd man out. And it, yeah, it is, you do kind of feel alienated a little bit and alone and, uh, by yourself. And I'm sure those guys do. I will say, um, especially, you know, being, being, um, non LDS coming to BYU, you know, it's definitely going to be different. You're, you're going to be in the, in the vast majority and, um, kind of feel like you're by yourself, but the, the community does do a pretty good job. I think, of of befriending people and being kind there are you know people obviously on campus who are who are dorks and um you know might be judgmental or critical but i'd say most of the kids and most of the people in in bru are very welcoming and very very open arms the other thing too um you kind of uh you kind of put up on a pedestal especially being a minority too and at byu that's like i don't know what is it 90 percent white um, and it's both good and bad. Like, you know, it's, it's bad because everybody notices you. Um, and then it's good because everybody notices you. So it's, it's kind of, you know, you, it's kind of like a two-edged sword. Um, people know you, people remember, remember you, people seek you out, people want to be, be by you, people want to be around you, they want to talk to you. And so that can, can be good. Um, the girls are usually pretty friendly. And, you know, I'm, I, you know, I say this with a grin on my face, most of the guys <laughs> Um, that come, they, 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 uh, they're happy about that. But um, you're, you're definitely under the microscope, and, and you're definitely, like, if, if you just kind of were the type of guy that wanted to blend in and not be noticed, then, yeah, it's going to be tough because that's not going to happen. Brian Kiel, BYU linebacker, joining us here. Um, you know, you're not a defensive coordinator, but you play one on the radio. Uh, what would you like to see? What would you like to see your Cougars do? And I think if you were one of the players, what would you want to do? Would you want to sit back, keep the game in front of you, and all that stuff, not give up big plays, or would you like to be aggressive, go get the quarterback? No, you might get burned some for some big plays, but you might make some too. What's the best plan, man? Honestly, I think I I I like a balanced mix of pressure and coverage, and um, I. I would like to see us pressure more. Um, that's what I say as the armchair defensive coordinator, not the guy in the meetings, not the guy breaking down film and game planning for the opponents and knowing, you know, really detailed what our, what our abilities and strengths are. But that being said, you know, I watch, you watch football and um, quarterbacks that sit, sit back there and have time most usually they find somebody open and they get the ball to them and they move the ball. And on the flip side, quarterbacks that are pestered, that are, that are hounded, that are pushed off their spot, that are harassed, that are hit, that are knocked down. Um, they tend to struggle and they get up and they wince and they, you know, they, 
they they are thinking about it and the clock in their head starts to go off and they get happy feet and um i just yeah i think you you want to pressure um you gotta you gotta hold up in coverage in order to do it but yeah i would like to see his pressure more and i i think it, it leads to good things so is that coming through blitzing yeah so it's you know it's it's yeah so it's blitzing it's rushing it's rushing more than three and four and we rush three and four a lot and when you rush three and four you can put pressure on the quarterback but it's really hard you have to have really good dudes in order to put pressure on the quarterback with only three and four and so you know you have to bring five and you know sometimes six and in the right situations you bring seven and um we don't do a lot of that um, other teams do more of it and i i would like to see us do more of it but you know that's why i'm not getting paid the big bucks to make those decisions <laughs> i just talked about it with you guys on the radio so what do you i know? do a fine job at that brian <laughs> thank you so I'm curious if, uh, you know, times change and, you know, time keeps going and, and things change over the decades and all that. When you were playing, did you feel like when you saw a freshman quarterback, especially a kid who was straight out of high school, not somebody who redshirted, did you feel like we can definitely I – got, I got some veteran savvy. I can confuse this guy and I can make him make a bad play. And is that as true or some combination of kids get savvy to coverage because of video games and they get more reps and seven-on-seven camps and quarterbacks all have uh, these personal coaches so their offseason is far more productive than it used to be? Can you just not do that to some freshman quarterbacks the way you used to? So, yeah, so it, I have been absolutely just flabbergasted at the progression of, of that position, the quarterback position, and the early progression. You know, these kids are coming out of high school now, and you look across the country, you look at some of these true, like you said, true freshmen, not even redshirt, but true freshman quarterbacks that come in and just play lights-out football. You look at, you know, uh, Lawrence, the kid for Clemson last year, just kind of a man among boys. Um, and you look locally, you look at what Zach Wilson did for us last year. And, and then now you look at this kid from USC. Um, and it's everything that you just said, you know, the, the progression that they're getting from what you had even just 10 years ago, but especially 20 and 30 years ago with all those, the extra, extra camps, extra reps, extra coaching, um, extra technology. You know, these kids are having film study sessions on their iPads and breaking down coverages and film and blitzes all sorts of stuff that they just didn't have available 10, 20, 30 years ago. And so it's exactly right. These kids are way more prepared, and that's why you're seeing them have success that hasn't been seen in the past. But, you know, the the truth is still the truth. They're still young and experienced. The speed of the game is different. The talent is different. And so, yeah, I'm on the team and I'm a veteran and I'm seeing this freshman. I got, you know, the taste of blood, and I'm going to get after him and try to rattle him. And, and the, the younger kids, they're still going to be prone to making mistakes that you learn through experience. And, um, like, you know, Zach, who I think is phenomenal, um, he's made young mistakes. And, um, that I, he's, you know, this year and last year he's made mistakes that I don't think he'll make next year and the year after that. Um, so, yeah, so you can still get after him and you can still do, do those things. But the kids are they're miles ahead of where they were even when I was playing at BYU. Well, Brian, as always, we appreciate it and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow if that's possible, or maybe you'll just be stressed out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't get uh, – I, yeah, I'll enjoy it. I don't really get stressed, but I do, I, do, um, I, do, I do have angst, so I hope we win, but I'll enjoy it either way. Win, lose, draw, I'll enjoy it. It's a fun – you know, that stadium and the atmosphere will be fun. 
It's a fine line. No stress, but plenty of angst. A very fine line. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Amen. Thanks, guys. See you. Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. He joins us every Friday. It's the red and the blue. Kyle Gunther, the former Utah offensive lineman. Brian Keel, the former BYU linebacker. Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live, the Mountain America Expo Center, 9575 South State Street in Sandy, and the Utah RV Super Show opens here at the Mountain America Expo Center today at 2 o'clock, 2 until 9 tonight, and tomorrow, 10 to 9 on Saturday, and then 10 to 4 on Sunday. Uh, They got the new 2020 units. They got special show pricing on some 2019 closeout units. They got the newest technology. There's RVs. There's travel trailers, toy haulers, motorhomes, and they got special show pricing on all the units. So there's something for everybody here. And uh, they've got the entire Expo Center. It's a massive place from one wall to the other. Uh, You can walk around for hours. $10 to get in. You get $1 off with a donation to the Utah Food Bank. So if you bring down five cans of food, you can cut your uh, $10 uh, entrance fee down to 5 bucks for admission. And uh, you can also get details and discount passes at utahrvsupershow.com. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Tampa Bay snaps a seven-game road losing streak. They beat Carolina 20-14. Stop the Panthers inside the five-yard line late in the game. Big games week two, Kansas City at Oakland and New Orleans at the Rams. That's an NFC title game rematch right there. Philly and Atlanta play Sunday Night Football, and you can listen to that game right here on the Zone Sports Network. College football tonight, Washington State and Houston on ESPN at 7.15. BYU will host USC at 1.30. That game's on ABC Saturday afternoon. 2.15 Saturday afternoon, Pac-12 Networks has 11th-ranked Utah and Idaho State. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park right and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Tanner Mangum with us. How difficult is it for a quarterback who has never seen a whole lot of action to step in and do what this Slovis kid did against Stanford? It's pretty impressive what he did. You just never know. A lot of players can be really good in practice in high school. They can have a lot of good tape or potential. And for some reason or another, they don't pan out on Saturdays. But I think Keaton Slovis showed that he has that it factor. He's not phased by the big moment. I think Zach Wilson showed that last year as well. They have confidence. They know they can play with anyone. And I think Slovis is a prime example of that. And he's He's got to be feeling confident after what he did last week, and I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with this week and weeks to come. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. In the red zone, Peakley calling the defensive play action fake. Sold by Winston, throws toward the end zone. It is a caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Godwin's got a touchdown catch against Carolina. Had two of the last time we played these guys. And the great throw by Winston hit him right in the hands in the end zone. Bucks take the lead. And they win the game. Tampa Bay beats Carolina in Thursday night football 20-14. to 14. Carolina got down inside the five, couldn't score. 
Back in the day, I have the feeling Cam Newton could have just run that thing into the end zone, either run past people or bowled them over, and Cam Newton's not Cam Newton anymore. He could have skipped into the end zone. (laughs) Okay, that would have been one way to do it. Deion Sanders, high-stepping. Carolina falls to 0-2. The Steelers hosting Seattle. Are they going to fall to 0-2? No. No? Saints or Rams, who do you like? NFC title game rematch. Rams. Rams. Rams at home. You like the Rams because? Gurley's Gurley's healthy. Better team. You can listen to Thursday night and Sunday night football right here on 1280 The Zone. Time to recap everything that we have been talking about, everything you've missed in this show. We had on the Ute and the Cougar. Kyle Gunther came on earlier. What you take away from, uh, from him talking about the Utes and Idaho State? Yeah, there's things to look at. You know, as you prepare for the future, you've got a ball game. So use it to your advantage and have an opportunity to play some guys, second team guys and all that type of stuff and see what they can do. Because, you know, when you have these scrimmages against yourselves, it's not really an actual ball game. This is an actual ball game. Right? This is another team that's trying to stop you with everything they've got. So there's opportunities there to get better, and he's an offensive lineman. Those guys tend to be along those lines when they analyze stuff, and certainly it all begins there anyway. So uh, develop some depth, and especially now, <clears throat> this is what's great about these games, the four-game redshirt rule. So the NCAA, was it last year or the first year? You can play four games and still keep that. Well, you don't know what's going to transpire down the line, down the line as far as injuries, right? But you do know you got a game here that you could probably play these kids a fair amount and still win. And then certainly, if it got any, if it got dicey, you know, you can just shove, push the guys back in. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way. I'm sure the Sun Devils last Friday night thought, oh, this is a good opportunity to get young guys. You know, with five minutes to go, they got a six-point lead or five-point lead, and we're in danger of potentially losing the game. So that didn't work out the way they anticipated. Utah appears to be a much better team at this stage of development than the Devils are, so they should be able to do that. And then you can have some film and some evidence on these guys. So if you need them later, because you you can't just I don't you can come up with a game plan. Are going to play these guys that we're thinking about in these games, and hopefully that plays out. But if it doesn't, here's a good opportunity. Plus, it doesn't necessarily matter with the red shirt. You got a kid like Wilmore doesn't appear to be redshirting. Right. This will be the third game he's going to play in, and next week will be the fourth game and so forth. So get him some more experience. So I think that's the number one thing, a kind of a long-winded way of what to take out of it. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It doesn't look like Wilmore is going to redshirt. It looks like they've got several guys they like. Maybe, you know, you're not good enough to be an all-around college back yet, but you have kind of NBA-wise, you know, you've got a skill we can use. You're a good receiver. You're a good runner. You're a good block, whatever. And so put a guy in a situation. Maybe you're, you know, you'll just play third downs. You can help us there. And it looks like it's number two back by committee, and there isn't that big a role because Zach Moss is, you know, <laughs> he's the guy. Uh, but there's still a role there, and it looks like they're just going to juggle several guys there. And maybe, then, maybe one or two of them they will, you know, pull back here 
at the end of the non-conference schedule and say, okay, we are going to redshirt you. But it doesn't seem to be trending that way. And after we get through with this and we get into next week, we're not really going to remember this situation here. It's not going to matter. So it's here. Uh, You can't avoid it. It's the way it is. That's all you can do about it. So you go forward and play the game. And then you move on, and then next week, and it's on. And each game takes on a level, a high level of importance. We also just talked to Brian Keel to get the lowdown on the Cougars, and he's of the theory, go get the quarterback. We talked with uh, Riley, uh, Riley Jensen about that, and he was of the opinion that even if you don't hit him, make a move. Once you disrupt that, and make them move a little bit, the completion percentages go way down. If you let them just drop three or five steps, plant the back foot, and throw the ball, you're probably in trouble. Yeah, but wouldn't you say that just about any quarterback, young, old? I mean, if he's a quarterback and he's starting, he ought to be able to do that. I would say that about any quarterback until I saw that quarterback on the move. My assumption is that most quarterbacks, that's going to – and there are always going to be some guys who are outliers, but until I see them, until I see them do it, yeah, you're right. Make a move. At this level, every quarterback, if he's given enough time, ought to be able to have a high percentage completion rate. I mean, it's just the way it is. You have to be pretty good to be on scholarship starting for SC and whoever it might be. So, yeah, you, you, you cannot allow anybody just to stand there and be clean. you got to rattle them to one degree or another, and the more rattling you can do, the better off you're going to be. Question of the day, how much faith do you have that BYU will upset USC? And we've had a lot of people say, I don't have faith, but I do have hope. That's a fine line right there, PK, between faith and hope. I agree, yeah. The kid Jay Fox says, it's faith. It's all about word choices. Okay. Go with that. What's the difference there? Uh, we've got a lot of people. It just seems like uh, maybe they're actually just buying what you say about, hey, you win 30 to 40% of the games, and USC's coming off a really good game. So uh, 30, 40, BYU win 30 40% of the games historically against teams from power conferences. So I think people are dialing it back here against USC because they've looked good in the first two games. We're not getting a lot of people like They're I, dialing back the opportunity to beat SC, is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, they're dialing back their – BYU fans are dialing back their expectations. They are scaling them down for this SC game. There's a fair amount of hope going back to Tennessee because Tennessee had looked so bad the week before. But here you got USC looking really good. And even if they don't know that 30 to 40% number because, you know, you get paid to go back and look up stuff like that and they don't. Uh, but when you say it, it resonates with them and it's just kind of gut feeling – It's where a lot of people were going into this anyway. Okay. But I also think, too, that you can draw a lot from playing well. And playing well doesn't necessarily mean you win the game, right? They went up to Washington last year in Seattle and just looked awful. And it was zero competitive. And it was almost... 10 minutes into the game, maybe even not that long, it seemed like, all right, this has already been decided. There's no chance they're going to win. I have the feel of this game, yeah, and, there, and there everything been a, is slanted against them. There have been a few games like that over the years. I mean, they were having a decent season when they went to Michigan and they got worked. It was at that game. Right. But they had, they had played, and I can't remember who it was before that. Maybe you do. They, they'd beaten a Power 5 team or maybe two. 
um, and they looked okay. I think but, that was Nebraska and Boise, wasn't it? Uh, you might be right, yeah. And But then that day, they just they didn't have it, you know. It's just that's no. the way it is. So that's worst-case scenario. So this is a progression. And I think when you look at BYU's football team, you, you're not looking at winning a conference title. You can't do that. You know, you, if you get bowl eligible, you know the bowl you're going to. So you're looking to make progress. And if they come out, and, and Kyle Gunther was saying that he thought that the Cougars could push the Trojans close to the end. All right. You can take something out of that. Easily, you can take something out of that. And so that's what I think that they need to do. On the other hand, if you get smoked, well, then it's going to be, ah, oh, you just beat a lousy Tennessee team. And so you want to get all excited about beating the, just one of the worst teams in Tennessee history and their coaches out the door, blah, 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 blah. So there's all different ways and different feelings you can get from a ball game. You win it, you win it. You win it by one point uh, on a blocked extra point like they did years ago against a winless Washington team. Well, you celebrate like crazy. <laughs> I was there at that game, and they celebrated like crazy. doesn't matter. They went 0-12 that year, and you needed a PAT block to win it. Who cares? You won the game. If you lose it, how did you play? Because you got a game next week. You know, you got games to come. And I just don't buy with these guys. Oh, well, they lose a game. They're destined to this. What are they playing for? I think that's ridiculous because you can put the overwhelming majority of college football teams in the exact same category, but somehow they're not in that category because they're in a conference. Well, I'm telling you that most of these teams here in this Pac-12 have no chance to win the conference. So what are they playing for? Well, you're playing for constantly getting better, particularly with a sophomore quarterback. Get better. And maybe something good can come down the line. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, from Arizona, Arizona has strived to be in the Rose Bowl every year. What did they join? 78? So we're, Yeah, we're 40 years, 40 plus. How many times have they made it? Zero. I didn't hear you. What did you say? Zero. Okay. So Nil. That, nada. Nil. Does that Zilch. mean you don't keep trying? So this idea of well, what are they playing for? They're playing to win the game and get better. I, I, and then next week they're playing to win the game and get better. And then I don't care who the opponent is. You're playing to, trying to play to win the game and get better. You know, I think you're also, you're also playing for moments. You know, and you may not be a great team, but you'll remember a big win. It was fun. And you've been preaching this for a long time. It's sports. It needs to be fun. If it's not fun, what are we doing? Wasn't it fun to watch the BYU players uh, in the end zone? Chase, one player's high step and the other guys, you know, the big linemen are trying to catch the running back. And he's just looking for the fans, looking up in this. It's a moment. It's fun. They won the game. And life is nothing but moments. Don't remember a lot of stuff. But there are moments that jump out and grab you. I will never forget September 12th, 2019. At the Utah State Fairgrounds. Old Dominion. When they were looking at me, and they were singing right to me. (laughs) And I was boogieing, and unbeknownst to me, people were looking at me. Looking at you? They were taking photos of you. Can I they sue? were judging you. You were judged. Infringement? Can I do that? Invasion of privacy? Hey, Yuck, don't save it for the next segment. I know that's the feedback segment, but, you know, people uh, who are in the car right now, I, I, they deserve to hear this. Get it for them. PK was watched. He was judged. And then publicly, the pronouncement was made. 
PK, it was so good to see you in your element last night, rocking it out at the OD concert. Monson, on the other hand, that dude looked like the grandpa that he is. Okay. I, I, maybe we should eliminate that part. This is not, you got to give Gordon credit, and I give him a lot of credit on this. This is not necessarily his music, right? But he went but, and but he it goes, up. he goes, right. and he's seen these guys like four times because I've been with them. And his so wife's playing it. So he's beyond checking it out. He yeah, actually yeah, he likes goes, it or he wouldn't be well, going. Well, he goes along because the others want to do it together. And you can share moments with friends. And so I give him a lot of credit. So he goes, even though, I mean, he's getting into it more and more. Because really, if you have any musical taste and you don't like Old Dominion, you're an idiot. That's the bottom line. If you would take the time to listen, I promise you, you would love that. <laughs> you would, because they are just called me an idiot. No, no, no. You haven't taken the time. That's you true, haven't. I, haven't. You, I said if you go to them and don't like it, you're an idiot. You haven't gone. You haven't listened. That's true. I so you're not. If you had and then say, I don't like that, then you're an idiot. <laughs> You haven't gotten to that stage yet. Like, <laughs> so I'm not calling you an I'm in, idiot. I'm in France 200 years ago. I'm on the stairs headed up, but I'm not to the guillotine. No, yet. you're not. Yeah, no, you're not. If you, if you, uh, what am I looking for? Surveyed their music and then didn't like it, then I would call you an idiot. And plus, this is a group they spent 10 years. They spent 10 years in Nashville trying to make it and they had one dude play one of their song record one of their songs 10 years and then one guy they recorded one song and then they went little by little and now look at them I was in Nashville one time for 48 hours and there were six of us and we kind of knew each other we didn't know each other great and we decided well what are we going to do to kill time? We got somebody to eat, and then it's just, you know, it's like your story about walking around the NBA draft. You just walk around town, right? And you saw Tim Duncan. And we're walking around, and, it, you know, I don't know, you don't really think it through, but you're walking around Nashville, and there's all these places, and there's just all this music. And some of them are bars, and some of them look like clubs, and some of them just look like restaurants. And you wander into one of them, and it's karaoke night. It was the most awesome karaoke you've ever heard. There was nobody to laugh at. Everybody was killing it. There are so many musically talented people in that town. I totally believe they were bouncing around there for 10 years. I've heard other karaoke nights. I've heard you sing on the radio and listeners call in and sing. And very good. I I know what the... Yeah, okay. And uh, I know what the average person sounds like singing. And then you're in Nashville and you're like, oh my gosh, there are tons of talented people just looking for a break. And Old Dominion, they finally got theirs. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. That's a lot of what we've been talking about. So if you haven't seen it, PK's uh, photo's out there on Twitter because he's a celebrity and a star, and uh, he's, he's not really big on that. You want to be anonymous. You want to be just another guy, don't you? I am who I am. It's nobody. Nope. Turns out you're a star. That's why people are taking pictures of you and putting it up on Twitter. Does your wife know about that yet? Did she see it? Did you show it to her? Uh, she's aware of it, yeah. All right, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. 
This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Ryan Leaf, host of uh, Believe in Pac-12 football on the Believe Podcast Network. And the conference, I believe, it, from top to bottom, is as competitive as any conference out there. And they just beat the hell out of each other and cannibalize one another. And it's not an excuse. My biggest qualm about the Pac-12 right now is the, their inability to win the games they're supposed to win. That they can't lose. You know, UCLA can't lose to Cincinnati. They can't lose to San Diego State. You know, Oregon State and Arizona can't lose to Hawaii. But that stuff can't happen. Uh, that's why I like that Utah is so highly ranked right now, and they continue to go up if they keep winning because they need to be in the conversation when the college football playoff committee starts putting out their picks. Otherwise, the Pac-12 just will not get noticed. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Okay, PK, you act like you hate the notoriety and the celebrity, but you love it. You bask in it because you talk and talk and talk about it. Yeah, I don't like either team, but I would like to see an upset happen. So I'm not going to root for BYU because I can't stand BYU. But, uh, yeah, I really don't like USC either. Whatever. And I just thought about this. Asking a Utah fan who they're rooting for is like, asking somebody do you want poop flavored candy or candy flavored poop BYU and Raider fans are the truest fans because they've had to deal with the most loss Feedback of the day is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $359 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com Yuck! The middle one there, the whole thing about you want poop-flavored candy or candy-flavored poop? Yes. I don't understand that. It was Dwayne. He actually had two-parter he came in with. He says it's picking between BYU and USC. I believe he's a Utah fan. It's picking between. Oh, okay. Got it. Got, Got it. it. Yeah. All right. I thought that was funny. That was good work by Dwayne, you said? Correct. All right. Good work, Dwayne. I think if I were a Utah fan, for the conference sake, I would root for an SC victory. And obviously, you probably don't like BYU. And, but I would like BYU to extend them a little bit. Yeah, but if BYU won, then you'd look at them and think, okay, now we know how to beat these guys. And that's a big hurdle towards winning the Pac-12 South. So if you're a Ute fan, you can really just sit back and rationalize either result. It's not winning. It's not winning the Pac-12 South. That's not the goal. No, it's not, but it's the first goal. There are multiple goals. There are bigger goals, and you just can't get to the other ones until you do that one. Yeah, but I don't know that the SC is in the way on that one. I mean, they're no more in the way than everybody else is in the way. How much faith do you have that USC or the BYU can beat USC? And uh, Wendy says, it depends. Do they actually have to, all caps, win the game on the scoreboard? Or are you talking about being totally close as in we beat them on paper? We were, you know, if not for that call. Or you want the W. Or you just want to be close enough to rationalize it. For the Cougars' perspective? Yeah. I think you want to play well and show improvement. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, T. Haddon, there is no faith like blind faith. Nah, it's, it's, you, can, you can play well. It's not necessarily blind faith. I mean, when's BYU ever beaten SC? Well, they played twice and they lost them both. Yeah. So, 0-2. 
Uh, we'll give Elvis at EZE Ramirez 86. I saw PK at a Paul McCartney concert in Vegas. He may have had more fans than Sir Paul himself. Yeah, that's a joke right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not even close to true. All right, DJ and PK, thanks to the folks here at the uh, Utah RV Super Show for having us down here to the Mountain America Expo Center. The Utah RV Super Show starts today at 2 o'clock. 2 till 9, today and tomorrow. 10 to 9 on Saturday and 10 to 4 on Sunday. they got new 2020 units. They've also got 2019 closeout deals, actually special prices on both the 2019 and the 2020 uh, models down here. They've got uh, travel trailers, toy haulers, RVs, motorhomes, and special show pricing on all units. Visit UtahRVSuperShow.com for more details and discount passes, and you can bring down five cans of food and get $5 off the price of admission. Lower it from 10 to 5 bucks with a donation to the Utah Food Bank. Thanks for having us down here. You can check out the Utah RV Super Show today through Sunday at the Mountain America Expo Center. We will see you Monday morning from 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.